Awesome. This morning we're going to talk a little bit about that in the message. If you'll take your Bible out and turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter number 17, I want to remind you tonight is our annual Pumpkin Fellowship. I want to encourage everybody, look, don't make plans not to be here, make plans to be here. And we're going to have all kind of pumpkin goodies. Our folks are always good to come up with the latest and greatest pumpkin recipes. And uh, you go find something to cook. And if you don't find something to cook, just go to the grocery store. Uh, I'm sure you can find a pumpkin roll. You can never have too many pumpkin rolls. And they say you are what you eat, and uh, I eat a lot of pumpkin rolls, and uh, those rolls sure do translate, don't they? Luke chapter 17, some of you will figure that out on the way home. Luke 17, let's stand together as we look down to verse number 11. Luke chapter 17, look down to verse 11, and I'm going to share with you something the Lord put on our heart, a simple thought that will help us during this season of Thanksgiving on the subject of gratefulness today. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Thank the Lord for those tuning in on our live stream. I know a lot of people today uh, are driving out of town. They're tuning in. I'm thankful for folks faithful to do that. Verse 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. The Bible says in verse 12, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Verse number 13 of chapter 17 says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Aren't you thankful? Jesus didn't even have to touch them. Just their faith in what he said is what cleansed them and healed them. Verse 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, Turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Fell down on his face at his feet giving thanks. There's our key word today. Notice that. It was giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And Thank you, Lord, for what you did in the life of this man. And, Father, I never had leprosy, but I had something worse. Lord, I had sin, a problem of sin that was more destructive than the flesh. Lord, it can destroy the spirit. And thank you for healing me and sending Jesus that I could be saved. Father, thank you this morning for all of us that are here, whether there's folks here lost or saved today. Father, I believe you have something for all of us. Father, whatever may be a hindrance today for us hearing and receiving and then even responding, Lord, I pray that you'd show us what it is right now. Help us to be willing to set it aside to hear from you. I pray that you'd bless, Lord, your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I don't know how it is for you, but for me, uh, this week, I really began to notice the beginnings of what we affectionately call the hustle and bustle. Anybody else notice that going on out there in our world? Uh, I've noticed this past week that traffic is increasing, and a Hardy Street, my soul. Uh, boy, if you need to get close to the Lord, just drive down Hardy Street during the time of hustle and bustle, and boy, it'll teach you patience, you'll learn how to pray, and hopefully you'll learn how to drive a little bit, because you have to drive defensively out there. 
I went to Walmart, took Leslie there the other day to get some things and had a park at the end of the aisle. You know, usually you'll get the one at least midway, but the parking lots and the traffic and uh, the crowdedness of the lines. Walmart, I, I hear, uh, has hired two more cashiers, so now they're up to four and uh, I know that the, se- the season is coming, that <laughs> the hustle and bustle has begun here around Hattiesburg and around our country as we prepare for this holiday season. It'll be Thanksgiving here just a few days, and boy, I tell you, one of my favorite times of the year. What was that Andy Williams used to sing about, the most wonderful time of the year? Boy, this is it for me, going from Thanksgiving to Christmas and right on into the new year, and not just because of the food, but because of all that it means, and I couldn't help but laugh the other day. I, I think it was about a week ago. I was watching television, a ball game, and uh, Black Friday sales started popping up on the screen. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Black Friday is after Thanksgiving, right? Is it still after Thanksgiving? But now we have to explain to our children why, why Black Friday starts on a Monday, two weeks before Thanksgiving. I mean, look, our country's messed up. We don't even know when Black Friday is anymore, and it's all beginning, and the sales have started, and if you don't get in there quick, uh, you're going to miss out on all the goodies that are out there. Commercials, I mean, they're popping up of what they've got and how you need it, and get out there and buy your family uh, the latest and greatest things that they have. Someone said one time, advertising is the whip that hustles humanity to the latest and greatest mousetrap. Is that not true? And we're watching those advertisements on TV, and we went from the, uh, the little Roomba robot last year to the air fryer, and I don't know what the gadget is this year, honey, you better let me know quick, because I have no idea what the latest and greatest gadgets are that are out there, but boy, I tell you, the season's underway. People are getting out there, and they're shopping, and I couldn't help but think about this as we embark on this season of the hustle and bustle. We're all looking for something bigger, something better, something newer, Right? Something shinier, something that captures our interest a little bit better, something that brings us a little more happiness in our life. And as I thought about that, I couldn't help but think that this morning we don't realize really how good we've already got it. You think about that. Here we are in the United States of America. I looked up the poverty line, and I'm not going to give you what the poverty line is in the United States because you may get depressed here today and realize you are living in poverty, but You look at the United States poverty line and you compare it to the global poverty line and ours is twice above what the average uh, global citizen is. In this world that we're living in right now, half of our global population lives on less than $6.85 per person per day. Most of us make more than that in an hour, don't we? And yet half of the world's population gets by on $6.85 per person per day. I think the song is accurately written when it says that God has shed his grace on us. And in this pursuit of the bigger, the better, the newer, I think we ought to just pause for a moment and realize just how good we've already gotten it. You know, we're living in a society that's very discontent and very impatient. I'm an impatient person at times, but to be totally honest with you, I believe all of us are neglecting seeing the grace of God that is already present in our life as we pursue something new and something bigger and something better. I want you to think about this this morning. I think we've received a lot of grace, and yet that grace has not translated into gratefulness. God's been so good to us. God's been so good to us. 
Last night, between the, they had the, the Reflections kids had their pro production yesterday, and boy, well, they did such a good job. And in between the productions, I flew to the hospital and visited folks that are there and folks that are sick. And phone is always ringing, somebody else sick and somebody in the hospital and all of these needs. You know what? God blessed you with grace to be able to be here today. He did. God's been good. God's been good. You know, we're living in a society where we can have anything when we want it the way we want it. It's a Burger King society. You get it your way right away. We've gotten so used to that. We're looking for the next thing, the bigger thing, the better thing, the shinier thing, the newer thing, aren't we? And we don't pause to think about how good we've already got it. Our grace has not translated into gratefulness. And perhaps, I thought about this this morning, perhaps it's fitting that Thanksgiving comes before Christmas. I want you to think about it. Perhaps this morning we need to have Thanksgiving before Christmas. Why? What is Christmas about? Christmas is give me something new, something bigger, better, newer, and shinier. That's what Christmas is all about. Thanksgiving says thank God for the new, the bigger, and the better, and the shinier that I already have. And boy, I tell you, our grace is just that, not translating into gratefulness this morning. And I think it would do us well to pause for a moment and look at what God's done in our life up till now. Up till now. If I want to go around the room this morning and say, all right, we're going to go around the room. We're going to have a clipboard. I have Brother Michael back here with the clipboard. And he's holding down Brother AJ's chair while he's preaching out of town today. And Brother Michael, I want you to go around and ask people this morning, what's wrong in their life? I bet you we'd be all too ready to talk about it, wouldn't we? Hey, what aggravates you right now? Hey, what's making you mad right now? Hey, what's got your spirit down right now? Hey, why are you sad right now? Hey, what could be better in your life? And we could put together a whole list. I mean, we could talk about the government, we could talk about our neighbor, the barking dog across the street. Maybe they ran out of Christmas cakes already at your local Dollar General and that's just ruined your holidays. Why do they start selling those things before Thanksgiving? I mean, it just puts me in a bind, to be honest with you, because I love them. I put them in the freezer. I love them. If you've never had a Christmas cake out of the freezer with a cold glass of milk, you have not lived, all right? It's the little things in life. But I'll promise you, no matter what you would put on that list, and that list might be like Santa's list uh, that he carries in his sleigh, all right? It might be huge, but I'll promise you this. If you made a list of all the goodness and the greatness and the graciousness of God in your life, it would be ten times as large. But we don't ever pause to write those things down. We don't ever think about how gracious God has been into our life. And this morning, I want to I share a simple thought with you about this leper here. We'll look at the thought of when grace becomes grateful. When grace becomes grateful or gratefulness. We're going to look at this leper here this morning. You know the story, don't you? We just read it there in, in, chapter, in chapter 17, verse 11 of Luke. There are 10 lepers. 10 of them are sick. 10 of them are healed. But notice only one comes back to give thanks. Jesus asked the question of verse 17, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? You know what the nine were doing? And I can't blame them in one way. The nine were enjoying the blessings of grace. God had shed his grace through Christ and his healing through their faith in their life. And those nine were going on and living and enjoying the grace that God had given them. But they were not reflecting upon the grace that God had given them. They didn't pause and say, you know what, wait a minute. Jesus has been so good to us. And rather than just go on and say, whoo, thank you, Lord, for that. Now I'm going to move on. No, no. He says, i got to go back. i got to go back. God's been good, too good to me. 
because of the grace of God, all of a sudden he reflected upon it. And that one ran back to Jesus. And the Bible said, watch what he did in verse 16. He fell down on his face. <laughs> Amazing. When he reflected upon the goodness of God, it made him humble. It made him humble. Fell down before Jesus. What did he say? Fell on his face before his feet, the Bible says, and giving him thanks. Oh, and by the way, the Bible says that he was a Samaritan. There's a message there. I don't have time to preach it this morning. What was it about what Jesus did for him that compelled him to go back? What was it? I believe there's a couple of things, maybe three this morning, that I believe compelled him. Brother Richard, don't laugh when I say maybe three. Brother Richard's like, no, you know it's going to be three. Well, if the Holy Spirit leads, I'll stop at two, okay? You get tired of three, tell the Holy Spirit to give me to stop at two. Last two Wednesday nights I've stopped at two, and nobody's thanked me for that yet, all right? Going back to three. What, what was it this morning? Feels good to smile, doesn't it? Verse 12, I believe we see the first thing here. The Bible says, and they lifted up, all ten of them lifted up their voice, the Bible says, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Why did they want mercy? Oh, in verse 13, well, verse 12, here's the key to this. The Bible says that when he entered the village, these ten men that were lepers, notice what they were doing. The Bible says, which stood afar off. Very important this morning, very important. You see, a leper was not allowed to come within 50 paces of people. A leper had to stand far off. A leper was not allowed to contribute or be a part of the general population. He couldn't go in restaurants. The leper could not even go in and worship. He had to stand afar off. The leper even had to cry out as he walked into the city, unclean, unclean, unclean. I mean, he was literally an outcast. And now, watch this. The Bible says that now that he is healed, he is no longer an outcast. He is no longer a bystander. No longer that now he is able to come and to draw nigh. You see, he no longer has to stand afar off. You need to see that today. Why? Number one this morning, I want you to notice that gratefulness recognizes our standing. Gratefulness will recognize our standing. So what do you mean by that? Well, before Jesus, he was standing afar off. Before Jesus, he was an outcast. Before Jesus, he was not allowed. Before Jesus, he was looked upon and shied away from by everybody else. But after Jesus, after Jesus, watch this, his standing has changed. His standing in the world has improved. As a matter of fact, his standing with God has improved. He is no longer an outcast. He is no longer a bystander watching everybody else enjoy life. Now he is enjoying life. Why? Jesus didn't just change his health, folks. Jesus changed this man's life. And now he who was far off has been made nigh. Now you know where we're going with this, but hey, it's fun to go there, isn't it? Why? Because that was me. That was you, that was I, we were those who were outcasts. We were not able to enjoy the graces of God, the goodness of God, the presence of God. We stood afar off. That's who we were. You say, well, I don't know about you, I was raised in a Christian home. Well, la-di-da. I'm sorry, I guess all weren't sinners. I guess just some of us were sinners. 
No, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us stood at a far off. All of us could not come nigh. All of us did not have access until Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, those that were far off, what does it say, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13? The Bible says we had no hope in the world. No hope in the world. There's not a cure for leprosy. These men were destined to die a lonely, pitiful death, just like you and I were destined to die a lonely, pitiful, eternal death, separated from God, forever standing on the outside. Have you ever been that kid standing on the outside looking in? Have you ever been there? Everybody has a rich friend, right? Growing up, everybody had a rich friend, right? You know, that kid whose parents spoiled him and didn't give him any spankings and he just seemed to have the life that everybody wanted and you're watching them, you know? You're playing with Hot Wheels, he's driving them, right? You know, you, you love just to eat from the scraps that fell from his table, right? That used to be my brother, or it still is my brother, I guess, man. Uh, we would go to Disney World with them, and we'd be there in the parks, and he'd get the dining plan, and, man, he's sitting there eating all this and all that, and, man, here we are. My wife and I just scraped enough to get there. And, man, I've asked her, are you done with that? You're not going to eat that chicken leg? You're not going to eat your dessert? He eats like a bird, man. That's one of the best parts about having a brother who didn't mind buying it because I usually got his leftovers. All of us know what it's like to be on the outside looking in. All of us know what it's like not to be a part of everything that's going on. That's the way we were spiritually. The Bible says you and I were just like this man when you look down to verse number 12, which stood afar off. Ephesians 2.13, remember this. If you're saved, this, this describes you. The Bible says without Christ we were strangers from the promises. No hope without God in the world. The Bible says that we were made nigh by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Look, look, if you have a walk with God, if you have a relationship with God, listen, if you're able to talk with Him, wasn't it good this morning when I woke up, the first thing that I did was I talked to my Heavenly Father. I did. I don't know if you know that, but I know God personally. Yeah, if you know Him personally, you're somebody too. Hey, do you know why you're able to do that? All because of Jesus Christ. Bible says we were made nigh by the blood of the Lamb. Do you know his standing changed? It's amazing how much stature in life means to us in this world. We want to be known as somebody. We want to have good standing. There's nothing wrong with having good standing in your community. I remember, man, as a young man, I worked so hard to have a good credit score. I'm going to work to build my credit score to have good credit. And, man, I want to have a good standing. We want to have good standing with people. We want to have a good standing with the in crowd and society. But can I tell you something? If you're saved, you have the best standing in the world because you're on a good standing with God. And if you have a good standing with God this morning, it's all because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one who made us nigh by his blood that he shed on the cross for us. Now think about this. Lepers this morning. Lepers don't have access to much. Lepers shows up at your birthday party. Everybody's gone. <laughs> like when the preacher walks into you know, a room. Everybody's gone. I can empty out a grocery store quicker than you've ever seen. Walk in, we're gone. All of a sudden, everybody just loses their appetite. I get it. Do you know lepers didn't have a whole lot of access to anything? Couldn't go and worship. Couldn't go eat. Couldn't go to restaurants and fellowship. Do you know what the Bible says about you and I? The Bible says that after we got saved, Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. Keep reading. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access. We have access. Wait a minute. I was the one who stood afar off. I was the one who was not welcome. I was the one who had to watch everybody else enjoy life and the pleasures of the Father. And yet because of Jesus Christ, I was made nigh by the precious blood of Christ. And through that blood, I have access to the Father. I get to talk to Him. I, talk, I, I love talking to Him. You ever talk to somebody and their eyes start glazing over? Can I, can I tell you what that means? Some of you need to know what it means. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. It means they're tired of talking to you. All right? Their eyes start glazing over, and they're staring at something off there in the cosmos. And all you hear is those yeps and wows. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Oh. Throw an O in there every once in a while, and they'll believe you. I know you get tired of hearing me. Sometimes I get tired of hearing you. But aren't you glad? <laughs> Brother Michael, you've got to learn when to amen, all right? Certain times you don't amen on that, all right? My father never gets tired of hearing from me. There are times, I'm not, I'm not joking, because I'm a human and I think like a human. Man, I have the same old burden on my heart about whatever it is. And I will be hesitant to go to my father and say, I know I've already told you about this, but father, could I ask you one more time? He doesn't push me away. Why? Because he went through a whole lot to draw me near. I mean, he sent his only begotten son to live and die on a cross and to shed his blood. I've been made nigh by the blood of Christ. Can I tell you something? When you start realizing that my standing is because of the goodness of God, it turns to gratefulness. Oh, man, listen, you may be running from God this morning. I want to encourage you for a moment. Start thinking about what God did for you. He sent his son to die for you. Through his blood, he has drawn you nigh. And because of the blood of Christ, you have access to the Father. It's hard to run from him. Why? Because of all that he's done for you. You see, grace reminds us of the goodness of God. And all of a sudden, it makes us grateful. I'll give you an example. Don't you love when you have a good illustration that just happens naturally? This happened to me just a few weeks, maybe a few months ago. Time is relative to me. Just ask my wife. I went to the hospital to see Brother Aaron's little baby, Samuel. And he was in the NICU unit. And uh, boy, those ladies are serious up there. Uh, you know, a lot of times my pastor card will get me in. You know, pastor. Oh, come on in, come on in. Not with those ladies. Uh, those ladies, you better give them a DNA sample, you know, thumbprints, and you're second born before they let you in there. They're protecting those little babies that are there. And I remember I pushed the button. She says, can I help you? I said, I'm here to see Samuel Baker. And she says, what is your name? I says, I am Jeremiah Andrews. She says, uh, okay, uh, we can't allow you in right now. I'm like, but I'm his pastor. She didn't say this, but she was thinking that. I could tell, and? You know, I hate it when my wife does that to me at our house, all right? But I'm your husband. No, she won't let me in. And uh, long story short, let me, let me hurry. But Aaron says, hey, he called me the same, that afternoon. He says, hey, I want you to know, I put your name on this list. And he says, your name, Miss Leslie's name's on this list. Anytime you want to come up to see Samuel, you just buzz them, tell them who you are, and they're going to let you in whether I'm here or not. You just, you just come on in. Boy, I couldn't help but think about that. Man, I, I wanted access, but I was denied access until the child's father put my name on a list. 
And because the child's father put my name on a list, I now have access to the son. And I can go in there any time that I want, whether he's there or not. Can I tell you something, Christian? Before we look to this season of newer and bigger and better and shinier, could you just pause to realize this morning that if you're saved, the grace of God has been bestowed upon you. Your heavenly Father has put your name on a list, and now you have access to the Son anytime you want to. Listen, it doesn't matter if it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m., it doesn't matter what good times or bad. You've got access, all because of Jesus. And when you realize that the grace of God has bestowed upon you so much, it translates into to gratefulness all of a sudden you don't need that new air fryer you're like now get it for a man all right I know what you men are thinking well he's the preacher said it no please do all right get her the air fryer the Roomba whatever it is she wants be sure to get her that but I'll promise you there's nothing bigger better newer or shinier better than what you've already got what have you gotten you've got the grace of God that it gives you access to the father here's this leper bless his heart He's afar off, but he's been made nigh by the blood of Christ. Those old lepers, you know what they had to do? Those old lepers would have to tear their robe. They'd have to tear their robe so everybody who saw them with that torn robe would know that guy's a leper. That guy's an outcast. And yet, what does the Bible say after we get saved? Isaiah 61.10. The Bible says he's clothed us with garments of salvation. The Bible says that we now wear a robe of righteousness. That's what our Father did to us and did for us. I mean, he says, look, I don't want you to wear the old robe that's ripped. And what is the song we sing, teenagers at teen camp? The old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn, but the new robe was spotless, had never been worn. The best thing in my life I ever do was take off the old robe and put on the new. How did you able to do that? Because of Jesus. And suddenly, your crummy life, because you don't have the newest air fryer, suddenly your crummy life starts to look a little bit better. Wow, look at the grace of God. It gives me access. It draws me nigh. It gives me a robe of righteousness. Could I encourage you to do something before I give you the second point this morning? Be careful studying about so much in your life as stature, how much stature you can have, and just go ahead and reflect upon the standing you have with God. That will create some gratefulness. But then notice the second thing. We've got to hurry, okay? There's an important step that Jesus told him something he needed to do. The Bible says... He told all of them, go show yourselves, verse 14, unto the priest. It came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, this is very important because the priest had to verify the healing was taking place. The priest would pronounce them clean. You are clean. You can now enter society. You can be a part of everything. And, oh, thank God we have a high priest. Amen. Pronounced us clean. But watch this. After they were cleansed, guess what they got to do? They got to move on with their life. They got to go about living. They got to be a part of life. They got to go and get a job. You're thinking, well, I don't know that much of a life. Oh, they did. They got to go and be a part of functions and fellowships and worship. Now, wait, this is important. Suddenly, a life that was pitiful is now a life that is purposeful. Number two this morning. You receive the grace of God in your life, and you're saved. You're a born-again child of God. Suddenly, gratefulness begins to bubble up inside of you. Why? Because now, number two, gratefulness realizes our service. Now you get to go be a part of something. You know, before you were saved, the best you could do was the best you could do. That's it. You were the sum total 
of your will and your power. And yet after you get saved, you're made nigh by the blood of Christ. You now have access to the Father. But then watch, he doesn't stop with the healing. Now we get to go and be a part of his purpose and serve him. You see, this morning, I believe the reason so many of us are not serving the way we should be serving is because we're not grateful for the grace that God has given us. We don't realize that before this, it was all me, and yet now I get to go serve my heavenly Father through his grace and through his power. You and I have the privilege to serve him now and get to be a part of his plan. Do you know why everybody is depressed in America today? They can't find fulfillment. And yet for a Christian, the greatest fulfillment comes in serving your father, that he has saved you from sin and saved you to serve him through serving others. There's no greater fulfillment than serving others. At some point in your life, you've got to get grateful for the grace that God has given you and realize now I get to go be a part of service. I read something interesting on sheep this week that I don't think I've ever read before. I've read a lot about sheep. Philip Keller has a great book on sheep. I've read it. I've read other books on sheep. But I've never read this about sheep before, but uh, I take it as gospel because I read it on the internet. Okay, so stick with me. Have you ever watched sheep eat? And I haven't been around a lot of sheep in my life, but I was reading this story about sheep. And the, 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 the owner of the sheep says, if you, don't, if you don't know them very well, you don't realize sheep will keep their head down, and a sheep will eat from clump to clump to clump. That that sheep is going to keep his head down and move from clump to clump to clump. Here's a green clump. Eat it. Here's a green clump. I'm going to eat it over here. That's what it sounds that a sheep makes when they're eating, okay? I don't know if you knew that. That's what it sounds like, all right? Going over here, and they're eating. And that sheep will wander totally away from its owner away from its shepherd, and even into calamity and destruction. That's why a shepherd is needed. That shepherd watches that sheep, and he knows that sheep's going to go from clump to clump to clump, and that shepherd comes in to guide them to the direction he would have them to go. Now, there's a beautiful picture of American Christians right there, I believe. So what do you mean? We just go from clump to clump to clump. This makes me happy. This makes me happy. This makes me feel good. This makes me feel better. This makes me have more friends. This makes me liked. This makes me popular. And next thing you know, we just clumped ourselves right off of a cliff. Can I tell you, the purpose of your life is not to live from clump to clump. The purpose of your life is not just to keep your head down and do what makes you feel good and do what makes you have friends and do what makes you happy. No, the purpose of this life is to be directed by our shepherd. And when you got saved, the Bible says you got a good one. Matter of fact, he is the good shepherd. And now we're not just living from clump to clump. You say, well, here's my life. I'm just going to work 40 years and then I'm going to retire. Uh, and then after I retire, I'm going to die. No, we have a purpose now. Hey, we get to be a part of God's plan for our life. Hey, we have a shepherd, the good shepherd that leaves us, leads us. Before we got saved, we didn't have that. We didn't have that. I can't help but think about Naaman. Naaman was a leper. And you read about Naaman, the Bible says that he was a captain. Boy, he had led in a lot of victories. He had a lot of prestige. He had a lot of power. But what does the Bible say about Naaman? He was a leper. He was a leper. All of that was going out the window because of the condition that he had. And yet, watch this, God saw in his mercy and grace, God saw fit to heal that man. When he was healed, he was now able to get back about the purpose that he had in his life. Folks, this morning, if you're saved, 
God's grace has been shed upon you. And look, you ought to just reflect upon the grace of God for a minute and realize, look, you don't, you don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to serve in a ministry. You get to serve in a ministry. Hey, that's the purpose. for all these folks singing in the choir. Didn't the choir sound good this morning? Man, they're serving up there. You know who they're serving? They're serving the one who saved them. They got something to sing about. Why? Because of the goodness of God. You think about that old demoniac. That old demoniac, the Bible says that he was, man, a guy who had not a whole lot of direction in his life. He lived in the graveyard. Uh, Man, that scared me to death. As a preacher's kid, I lived next door to a graveyard. It scared me to death. I didn't realize it. Suddenly they came out with these little things where people would put these lights on the graves of their loved ones. They were solar powered. No joke. One day I look out my bedroom window. I could see behind the church, and there was the cemetery. And I'd already watched Unsolved Mysteries a few times and saw those glowing lights, orbs. I look out the window, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there is, there is something out there. Well, you see it growing, and you're like, my, and then you realize the next day it's just a little light, somebody got from Hobby Lobby out there in the graveyard. Look, I don't, I, don't, I don't like nothing to do with the graveyard. I don't, want, I don't like going to the graveyard. This guy lived in the graveyard, had no purpose in his life, and yet now, watch this, when Jesus saved him, the Bible says he wanted to go with Jesus. He now had purpose in his life. He had purpose. What did Jesus tell him? I love it. He says, go home and tell. Go home and tell. Here was this old fella. He received the grace of God. Amen. He was so glad. I don't have to live in the tombs anymore. I don't have to be a wild man anymore. I don't have to be directed by these spirits anymore. Hey, I want to go with you. Jesus says, hey, why don't you go home and tell? He found purpose in his life. This morning, no matter how bad your life is, you ought to just pause and think about the grace of God and that now you have a purpose. You get to serve God. And then suddenly... That grace starts to become gratefulness. Romans 6, 4, the Bible says as Christ was raised from the dead, we now get to walk in newness of life. I have a new purpose. Why? Because of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 10, the Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Man, before I got saved, there wasn't anything there that mattered to anything. And yet now the Bible says after I get saved, I am created unto good works. That means I have a purpose in my life. You may not have the latest gadget, but I assure you, if you've got the grace of God, you've got something a whole lot better. Notice he says, go show yourself to the priest. Hey, now that guy gets to move on with his life. That's why David said this in Psalms 116, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Here's what David started doing. Wow, grace, 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 took his shoes off, grace, 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 grace. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? You see, his grace translated into gratefulness. I wonder this morning if the reason we're not grateful is because we don't realize just how much grace God has given us. I want to close with this today. Boy, it segues right into a beautiful invitation. If you look down, the Bible says, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Verse 14 says, and they did, and verse 15, and one of them, by the way, if you wanted to do the math on the equation here, the ratio, that's probably about right, 90%, never do. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, now those next two words are very, very important. The Bible says he turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. Now this is important, folks, because here's this guy, he takes off running. 
I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to go talk to the priest. And then he probably had a list in his head, if I'm ever healed, this is what I want to do first. This is what I want to do first. I want to go to this place. I want to do this thing. I want to eat at that restaurant. Man, I'm going to go and have a chili dog. I don't know what it was, what they ate back then. But, man, there was something he wanted to do. And so he takes off. He's on his way to see the priest. And then suddenly he begins thinking about, I've, I no longer have to stand afar off. I have access now. I can go and I can do. And because of all of the goodness, it caused him to do something. See this as we close this morning. The Bible says he turned back. He turned back. Number three, when grace becomes gratefulness, watch this. When gratefulness returns us to the Savior. Gratefulness returns us to the Savior. Can I tell you what 90% of Christians do based on this, this statistic right here? 90% of Christians receive the grace, move on, never come back. If, if this statistic is true, and man, I can't help but believe, I think about how many folks I've led to Christ in my life, and how many folks never seem to come back to the Lord. They just go, go away. Could I encourage you with something? Could I encourage all of us today, as we go on our journey, we've received grace, we're saved, we're moving on with our life, to start counting all of the grace. Wait a minute. I was not far off, but now I'm nigh, and I have access, I have a new robe. I have a purpose in my life. I get to serve God. And suddenly, when you begin realizing all the grace that's there, watch, you can't move on from Christ. It returns you back to the Savior. Now, now stick with me. In our world, it's easy to focus on what's hard, isn't it? This is hard. This hurts. This is a loss. This is a pain. This is a disappointment. When you focus on those things, can I tell you what most Christians usually do? They move away from God. We allow the difficulty, the pain, the loss, the disappointments in life, and it moves us away from God. If you focus on that, I promise you, you will move away from God eventually. But wait, if you like the one, we'll say, wait a minute. Look at all of the grace of God in my life. You will find it hard to move too far away from Christ. Why? Romans chapter 2, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Could it be this morning the reason that we're unrepentant? is because we're focusing in on the badness of our circumstances rather than the goodness of God. You know... It's hard to live in rebellion when you're counting your blessings. Man, God has done this for me, and God has done this for me, and God has done this for me, and blessed my kids and their health and my family, and God has blessed us with food to eat and a car to drive, and God's blessed us with gas money, and yes, I just hate being around Jesus. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Man, this morning, could I just encourage you, if you find yourself getting away from Christ, stop. What did the Bible say this one did? The Bible says, and one of them, when he saw, you see, stop and see what God's done. Stop and see what God's done. He said, well, let me tell you, this person did this, and this person said that, and this person, no, no, no. Okay, these people are real, whatever they did to you. But wait a minute, what has God done for you? The Bible says, when he saw, what did he saw? What God did, 
He couldn't help but turn around and get back to him. This morning, could I beg you, start counting the grace of God in your life. And then suddenly, you know what? No matter what's driving you away from Christ, you can't help. You've got to turn back and go because it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. Here's what you ought to decide this morning. You say, well, how do you know what I ought to decide? Well, because I know that God's been good to you. Well, you don't know me. I don't have to know you. I know God's been good to you. You've got health. You've got life. You're able to be here this morning. God's been good to you. All right? If God's been good to you, I want to encourage you just to stop and add it up. This is what this old boy did. He just stopped and added it up. He said, man, he's been too good to me for me to run away from him. I've got to go back to him because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. What did that old prodigal son say? Man, he was away from the father over here. He said, man, I sure did have it good over there. Man, I had it good over there. You know what? I think I'm going to go back over here where it was good, living in the grace of the Father. This morning, can I ask you, has your grace translated into gratefulness? Or are you focusing in on all that's wrong and all that's bad and all that's disappointing and the loss? Are you focusing in on that, oh, you're going to drift and drift and drift further and further away from God? If you'll just start adding up, boy, God's done this for me. God's blessed me here. God's done this for my family. God's blessed my children. And you go back, number one, God has saved my soul. God has been too good to me for me to run away from him. I've got to get back to the feet of Jesus. This morning, if you're here and you're saved, has your grace become gratefulness has your grace become gratefulness have you just thought about what God's done for you have you thought about it start adding it up my goodness we are rich we are rich in the grace of God and I think this morning as we look forward to a holiday season we ought to stop right don't even look down the road already look at what God's done for us and get as close back to the Savior as possible this morning, can I ask you, are you saved? Do you know for sure that if you died right now, you're going to heaven? Can I tell you something wonderful? You are just like I used to be, that leper, stained and tarnished with sin away from Christ. And the Bible says that, watch, for God so loved the world, not just God so loved preachers. Aren't you glad? For God so loved the world, he loved all of us. He said, he's the only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, that means anybody can be drawn nigh back to Christ this morning. The question is, will you receive the free gift of grace, the goodness of God, and all that comes with it this morning? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.